Hey everyone, my name is Adam Kinder. I'm one of the co-founders at Gathered and Found and one of the co-creators at Leaders and Founders. Um, so yeah, for the podcast today, we're really, really pleased and very excited to have uh, to have a new Gagasol with us. So thank you very much for joining us, Anik. Hi, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, good stuff. Now we're really looking forward to getting into it. So, um, so just to give people a bit of a bit of background, I normally pass this straight over to you guys because I never really do it full justice to give people your background and the story of Unleashed, where you're obviously the the CEO and founder. So, could you just give us a bit of background, really? Just tell tell everybody what you're up to and a little bit about about your company. Sure. Um, so our mission at Unleashed is to gear up businesses for successful scaling so that we can so that they can do it quickly and they can do it sustainably over time and we do that through people and culture. Um, to give you a little bit of the founding story so that that makes more sense in context, I've worked in a lot of uh, businesses, um, scaling tech businesses and have focused a lot of time obviously on the people side of things. I've, uh, uh, a fair few years of experience on that side, whether it be kind of the ER side of HR, the more traditional transactional stuff to the more people strategic value adding side of things, which we're big fans of at Unleashed. Um, what I found through building out my network is that there are a lot of businesses, a lot of startups who were um, trying to scale and were scaling quickly, but for whatever reason, and often to do with capacity and uh, capability from um, from a founder's perspective, and rightly so, when you're trying to start up a business, you focus on developing your product, you focus on generating revenue for that product. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't enough focus put on the people and culture side of things, which meant that often when they got into Series B, mm -hmm. if you're looking at it from a VC fundraising perspective, they'd have to reassess priorities, they'd be looking around what kind of culture did is this business, I don't recognize it, we've got too many people, there's not enough focus. You know, all of these people problems would start to appear, mm. which I felt should have been addressed earlier, but again, perhaps couldn't have been for a multitude of reasons. Um, and there, there was no one helping um, founders with this side of things. And when I looked around, I realized that there were interim people who would go in full-time, fix, leave. Mm. There were consultants who were working with large corporates, <laughs> There were um, people who were working with startups and scale-ups, but focused on like very isolated areas. So for example, uh, employer brand or performance or pay and benefits. But actually, particularly in early stage businesses, um, but not exclusively, it's all important and it's all integrated. So for example, if you have a performance issue, it could be the way that you designed the role in the first place, let alone how you recruited let alone how you set people up for success during sure. onboarding. So I wanted to do something that was more holistic and so found it unleashed. Yeah, no, perfect. And I think from even from taking a really quick look, and I think for everyone listening, like please go to, to your website and, and obviously check you guys out on LinkedIn. I think it, um, your website, and I was playing around with it again shortly before, before we had this chat, but it's like a really fun website, I think. It's something which, for me personally, gives you a really good flavour of, of your brand. And I think the personality of the company comes out for sure. Um, and I think from looking at that, I actually built our website, which is very basic. So please don't look at ours with any uh, kind of degree of, of interest. But um, I'm sure that was a big part, I guess, of brand what you wanted to do. And, you know, I guess for how you then coach your, your clients on how to do this, it has to come from you first, right? 
Yeah. Oh my God. I'm smiling so much right now because I can see, yeah, it's a big smile. <laughs> I'm massively in love. And I think it's a ridiculous thing to say, but with, with our website, yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't designed by us, but it absolutely was, um, was created off the back of our brand and who we think we are. And that's, and, and, and I'm glad that you say that you feel that within our website because that's, it's all about being bold. It's all about being different. It's having fun whilst you do it. Um, and I'm really glad that that kind of shines, shines through. Um, it, it is. You, you, you're absolutely right. You have to create the kind of culture that you want and you have to do that very purposefully. So if you're trying, whether it's from a attracting incredible people to your business or people who are at least very aligned in terms of uh, with your business or whether it's about from a client perspective you've got to be who you are um, and it's really important to work that out at the beginning and uh, advice that I give to leaders all the time is that when you're in your very early stage it's the prime opportunity to think about in a few years time when people are describing us what is it that I want them to be saying about us? And yeah. writing that down and then doing things now very intentionally to get to that point. And some things will change, but there are some things that you'll hold sacrament and you've got to craft it with purpose. Sure. Otherwise, it's just going to happen all by itself. Yeah, of course. And I think, um, I mean, there, there are so many different ways that we could probably approach this chat and i'm really cautious to make sure that we give everyone like, the full kind of view of what you guys do because it is really really interesting so i mean just to kind of take it back to the beginning i guess so so take me back actually to unleashed so when you set it up because i know that um when we spoke and, and you've been very kind of transparent in a lot of your posts i think it's it's probably in a different place to where you expected it to be i guess when you first set it up so i think we we get so many listeners and you know a lot of founders who are you know, even kind of pre-founder people who have their ideas and they're maybe looking for investment, they're looking for co-founders with them. Everyone has these, uh, you know, probably a bit of anxiety and, you know, there's something which is massive about setting up your own business. So how did that kind of look like? I mean, what was the, what was the, I was going to say like the kind of final nail that did not come out, right? What was the, the <laughs> last thing which made you really want to do it? And what, what did that look like? What did that process look like to you? Yeah, so there are a few things that came together at once. You're, you're absolutely right, firstly, that I had no intentions to be where we are right now. It wasn't even a part of my wildest dreams that we'd have kind of this business in this way. Yeah. Um, there were a few things that happened. Firstly, there was this kind of recognition that why aren't startups like getting more help? Mm -hmm. um, where are the people that can do this? Yeah. And there was also the fact that my son was diagnosed. I don't know if diagnosed is the right word, but well, um, I'm going to use it in any case. Mm -hmm. I hope I cross my fence. Diagnosed with dyslexia. Okay. Um, meant that I actually, and this was quite late, and he suffered um, with a lot of anxiety, feeling that he was extremely stupid um, because this hadn't kind of come out beforehand. So I wanted to spend a lot of time with him. He was 10 at the time in year five. Um, wanted to spend a lot of time with him uh, just to help him through his studies and make him realize actually he's extraordinarily intelligent. Um, sure. uh, he's hugely empathetic, but his brain structured slightly differently. Mm. So I thought, well, great. Why don't I combine those two? I can spend more time at home because actually 
this, you know, I feel is a great business idea, but what, which entrepreneur in the whole wide world is going to want to fix a problem before it's even happened? Like, that's not the nature. You, you have a problem, then you solve for it, not the other way around. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I did. And I thought it would be a couple of days a week. I live on the southeast uh, coast of Kent. So I thought well, I'll commute to London for a day or two a week and then just be at home the rest of the time. Um, and actually it took off really quickly because I think no matter even if you're not feeling the symptoms of people problems yet, you're still having some and facing some challenges. And every founder I spoke to, no matter how big their business, they really struggled with how do they attract incredible people for their business, even when, you know, especially rather when they don't have a brand. How do then they make sure that those people are high performing, high productive, highly engaged, which, you know, is, is the whole people journey. It's your pay and your benefits. It's your onboarding. It's your performance it's your feedback it's your communication it's your values and the list kind of goes sure. on and then actually from a leadership perspective um founders were, were were struggling themselves in terms of and i use the term, terminology of scaling yourself with from a definition perspective it's not right but the idea is how do you as a founder elevate yourself from the weeds to the top of the jungle canopy so that you have a very wide um view um, over the team over the business over the market um, what's happening going forward. And those challenges really resonated with pretty much everyone that I spoke to. So the business uh, then started to take off. Mm -hmm. And I can't say no, I really struggle with, if I think I can be impactful with a business, I struggle to say, sorry, like, I can't help you. Um, because I wanted to help everybody. That might go back to when I was younger, I used to want to be a pediatrician and very specifically a pediatric surgeon. And okay. I wanted to fix um, so I still have that, I think, mentality in sure. In yeah, there's, there's still that desire to to help <laughs> and to, to yeah to help people. Um, yeah, and I think it's yeah. I mean, you you touched on like you know people. If you take people as a word as a whole as a movement, you know what that means to companies. Um, you know, you could have the greatest idea, but without the people to execute that and to build that product for you or that company it will never be a company and i think so many people just around the attraction side so many founders that we work with and you know technical leaders um heads of department whatever it is you know a lot of people still and i guess it's just natural but a lot of people think that hiring is that's it cool we've hired them now so yeah, yeah we're just going to now be this amazing company but i think it's the retention side which is um which is even more important because once you've gone through that process you've attracted the right people to join your team who are great people if you don't give them then the direction or the purpose i guess that that they need to, to really play a part in that company and, and to actually perform how you need them to you can you might as well not hire them in the first place because they will probably just leave i guess if they don't have that um so i mean when when you first sit down presumably you do like some workshops and some discovery sessions to understand where they're at and carry out your analysis talk us through that process does it vary from client to client or will they give you a hit list i guess of what's most important to them uh, it does vary a little at the very beginning what's really important so we have um just to kind of talk broadly about our approach, we have a very design thinking approach to the way in which we look at people and you know, like inverted commas kind of people products and how we design people experience. And I think it's very much like if you're designing for a user experience, this is exactly the same thing. So what you have to have a real understanding of is uh, to use a, a, a 
corporate language, um, your stakeholders and what their needs are. So what the user needs are. So um, when we go into a business and we start working with the business, we can't do justice by them and their team and their culture if we don't get to understand them really well. Because what we don't like to do is to come in and say, right, well, this is how you do onboarding. Here's a framework, off you go. Because it's never going to have buy-in. It's never going to be meaningful. So it's not going to have impact. And it's a waste of time and money on all sides. Sure. So we tend to go in and we do a discovery process. We, um, we look at what the current practices around people and culture are. And sometimes there are very few. And sometimes, you know, they're quite detailed. Um, we grade those from a scalability perspective. They might be fantastic now whilst you're a team of 10, 15, 20 people, but actually are they going to scale as you try and reach 50, 100, 250 people? Yeah. You kind of have a grading there. What's great is that I have a team with very experienced people who have seen what great looks like and who have seen what not so great looks like. So we can all kind of contribute there. Sure. Um, we also do an engagement survey because it's it's great to know what you do, but it's also important to understand how people feel about what you do and what they feel that they need more of and what's done well and what's not done well enough. Sure. Um, and we also do leadership team one-to-ones. Um, so the, the discovery is really comprehensive, but it's so valuable so that we can then work with the business to create a roadmap um, of things that we then deliver for <laughs> the business and with the business. Sure. Um, and that's how that's how we kind of, do it you know high level yeah yeah of course and i guess i mean the, the fact that you've been brought in anyway means that there is an appetite to, to change or at least to to get more support but um you know founders generally this is every this is their baby right you know they they build these companies because they're passionate about it and they want it to grow which is like obviously why most people should want to bring you in i guess and they have the appetite for that but presumably you may have had a couple of challenging chats i guess around things that you truly believe are going to help them as a company and they maybe don't i mean does that happen from time to time yeah so we, we i mean we've said no to a few clients where actually we think the way that they work and what they believe in isn't aligned to what we do um it might sound a little bit trite but we genuinely want to have a huge amount of impact and sometimes if it's the case that an investor may have said hey you need to work with these guys because you need some help or they're doing it to paint a picture of looking like they care, then it's never going to work. Um, most of the businesses that we work with um, uh, 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 recognize the importance of supporting your people to do the best work of their lives, because by doing that, they are then going to support your business's success. Yeah. Um, but they don't have either the capability or they don't have the capacity. And what's I think quite beneficial and we've had feedback on is that we get, we get quite involved. We know the team, we know the business, um, we understand the culture, we work with them as part of their team. At the same time, we're still external. So we have this kind of unique point of where we can honestly and objectively um, give advice and change ways of working. Um, yeah, in, in of course. Work, we're in a unique position to do that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think the fact that, that you're brought in, you know, you're, you're in a great, you're pretty quite a privileged position where, you know, you're with the board, you know, the leaders of this company, and you're really sort of helping to shape it, which I imagine must be really rewarding as well when you start to see these changes coming in, right? Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't take that privilege for granted at all. We are extremely fortunate to 
to, to have the positions that we have with these businesses and to be trusted in the way that we are. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first brought on Hannah as um, uh, my business partner into the business, I used to like try and describe to her the feeling of fulfillment that I used to have from the work that um, it was just me at the time that I did. Um, and I used to say to her that literally on the train, even after a hard day and you knew, knew that you worked hard, I'd be on the train home and I'd have this massive smile on my face because it just felt so great to know that you're having impact and to have founders who were interested in learning, were engaged, were taking things on board, were making changes. And um, my imposter actually started to hit a little bit. It was like, oh my God, why are they listening to me? Am I truly worthy of, of them? Yeah. <laughs> of, of them doing the things I'm suggesting? Um, yeah. And that was really interesting. But uh, the feeling, like the purpose and the fulfillment is just massive when you have impact like that. I, I love, wow. it. love it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I can imagine. And I think, to be fair, that, that comes across you know, like really quickly. And I think you mentioned that if you want to make that change and you actually want to care, then you actually have to care. Um, you know, I think we've all probably seen, maybe worked at companies where, you know, they kind of preach about these kind of things, but, you know, actions speak much, much louder than words. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, for, for, for clients who, who genuinely want to, to appear to be that way, you have to be that way. You can't force it, I don't think. Um, I agree with you, but I think it has to be really kind of conscious as well. So um, it's important to be who you are because like authentic leadership is kind of critical for success. Um, and if you, if you're not that way inclined in terms of, you know, collaborative, uh, you know, empathetic, all of that stuff, that's fine. Say it. Like, it's okay. Be who yeah. you are and work with people who can work in those environments and work like that. Sure. Um, don't pretend to be what you're not. But I think if your intentions are to create something that looks mm. empathetic, looks collaborative, then you have to, you have to align your behaviours with your intentions is what I'm saying. And that needs yeah, to be... Sure super purposeful and it's easy to forget yeah <laughs> sure no, no, i can imagine and i think you know culture as well is something which should be well is definitely should be at the heart of every business um definitely companies that are that are ambitious and they have you know um ideas of where they want to be and, and where they the kind of company they want to become but i guess it's something which can be interpreted in different ways and some companies i'm sure look at culture through completely different lenses to, to to the next one so i mean just as culture you know it's something that you know i've spoken to loads of people over the years about implementing culture and it's not necessarily something that you should implement it should already be there but you may have to tweak it um because it's a really wide topic and something that's crucial i think now probably more so than ever for for people with teams who have been going through challenges you have to have that a strong culture and a great feeling across the company. So what's your kind of, this is a really loose question, but what's your kind of view on culture, I guess, as a company and why is it so important as well? Uh, well, I think you're, you're, you're right. Culture is always there. Um, so if you want a very specific kind of culture, then you have to totally implement it. And ideally from the outset, because cultural transformation is far harder than cultural creation um if you like the important piece is it's so it, and it's right and it should be different in every business businesses shouldn't be like there will be some similarities between businesses but because you know horses for courses and you know right. how that saying goes i always mix up my sayings <laughs> um, but the 
you know, some people will be really attracted to something that's super fast paced. Expectations are super high. You work day, you work night, you get things done. You might burn out after a couple of years, but that's fine. You've earned enough money to go and live in Thailand for a year and do yoga and, and be zen, you know, so it's totally fine. Sure. And as an individual, you might be happy with that. And that's where it goes back to that um, authentic piece, right? Be, be fine with who you are. Your culture has to be representative of the founding team when you're in early stages, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thereafter. Um, then the other side is, is, is to then, you know, craft it, to my point earlier, crafting it with purpose. So if you want a business in which, and you, sometimes people need help to kind of think through these things. It's really important. If you want a business where your team are open with you, they talk about their challenges, they look to you for support, they want to have their opinion, you want to give them autonomy, therefore you have to trust them. There are a whole lot of things that you need to do in order to create a business that works in that way. Sure. Um, it doesn't just happen by itself. Where I see things happening by themselves when they're not thought about properly, culture and in inverted commas can take a turn for the worse. And that's when kind of people wake up. And as, as founders, you start hating your job. You start thinking, oh my God, who is this person? I don't remember recruiting them. I don't really even like them. And, you know, there's all of these feelings that start happening. It's kind of out of your control now. And really it's something that needs to be nurtured um, quite intensely. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, when, when you think of starting that business, and again, so many companies start, you know, in different ways, you know, some maybe have huge investment they already, they may have great VC contacts, others that may be very much bootstrapped, um, <clears throat> you know, like, like a lot of businesses as well. So I guess, and you obviously work with companies, what, what's like the smallest size company you work with, I guess, compared to some of the biggest? Um, so we work, well, it, it, uh, our direct portfolio, the smallest company when I started working with them they were a very first client um, with six people okay yeah um, so super early we also work very closely with the episode one portfolio episode one VC portfolio as well and sometimes it's just the two founders right. um, that we start working with and start to talk about this thing these things and you know what their values are how they want to hire what kind of people are planning out you know their their hiring plans all of that stuff is kind of involved yeah um, the biggest company that we have worked with, um, that we have worked with to date has been 250. We okay. probably wouldn't go much higher than that because at that point it's often um, about fixing some, some mm. you know, deeply ingrained kind of issues. Our ideal is that if you're VC backed seed series A, um, late series A, early series B. Um, so you're looking at, you know, from two people, just the founders, if you're ready to start making some decisions and hiring, um, all the way through to 100-ish, 120, 150. Yeah, sure. And I think, as you've kind of mentioned, you know, on a couple of times, I mean, I think with with a lot of the listeners that we get, that's a real sweet spot because there are so many people in the startup community and founder community, obviously, who want to, to get this kind of advice. I think, you know, when, when you first start, culture probably, whilst you know that you want to have a good culture and not a bad culture, um, it's probably not the first thing you think about, right? You know, the first thing you want to do is you want to build a product 
you want to put it out to market, you want to test it. You know, um, there was a, a quote I heard a little while back and it was like, look, if you've got an idea, build it and try it. If you never build it, you never know if it's going to have success or not. Um, easier said than done sometimes, admittedly. Um, but for companies who maybe are thinking about everything rather than just focusing on the product or getting it to market, sales, profit, whatever that may be, um, what are things that people can do, I guess, to make sure that they start to build for a good culture? Again, it's nothing, I guess, that you can force, but is it really a case of what do we want to be known for? Just getting that stuff out in the open? Uh, there's that. The other thing is asking your team. So yeah. that's, that's like the number one nugget of advice like I give to everyone. Founders will say to me, what kind of benefits should we be kind of introducing? Or what does a great performance management process look like? Or you know, what kind of cultural norms should I be establishing? Or how should I, whatever the question might be. My response, and I think some, <laughs> some people get a little bit annoyed by me for it, is, well, have you asked your team what they want? Yeah. And it's, that's, it's literally the easiest thing. You know, I think when, when it comes to solving problems that are in the business, um, use your team. They have expertise. You've hired them for a reason. And actually, if you want something to stick and something to be meaningful, it has to matter to them. So as a really easy example, let, you know, onboarding, having a great process that really sets people up for success in the business, can make them highly productive and highly engaged from before they even start. Mm. speak to the people who are managing the process and so normally the managers what do they find easy about it what do they find hard about it speak to the people who joined the business in the last few months what did they like about it what didn't they like what did they wish that they'd been told that they later found out um what else would they have wanted craft something off the back of that data mm. and then test it and then see what those people who are like the, the, the people <laughs> that joined the testees so it goes back exactly to your point Everything that you create in the people space, test with your team and communicate as tests. You don't have to get it right all the time. Ask your team, give it a try. If you can't, or you have a reason kind of not to in terms of what their requests are, explain why. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, it's communication, right? It's basic. It's the most basic thing that any of us can do, I suppose. Um, it's a bit hard, right? How much? Yeah, it is. is that, you know, well, how much do I communicate? Do I tell them everything? Do I tell them only a little bit? Like, you know, what do people want to know? What do people need to know? The communication piece is, sure. is hard to get right. Um, yeah. Over communicate is the answer. No, of course. And I think I'm, I'm just kind of thinking back on occasions now when, um, as, as a director, if we kind of change something with like the framework or how we work and it's really, I think it's really easy and it's probably a common mistake which happens with a lot of uh, kind of leaders and, and the, the leadership team. But, you know, people who are maybe in a different position, they're kind of, you know, towards the, the, like, the kind of the top of the managerial ladder, if you like, within that business they will look at things and try and make decisions for other people, I suppose. And it's like, all oh, right, so what would these grads want? Oh, I'll tell you what, I, they, I think they want. And it's, they probably won't know because they're not grads or they're not entry or, you know, junior people. I mean, did you see that as quite a common, a common mistake as well? All the time. It's, it's that making, um, it's projecting what you think you would have wanted or you would want if you were the, inverted commas user of whatever it is just the decision that's been kind of made um and projecting that as terms of well they must or like that if that if i was a grad you know that's what i would have wanted and that's not that's rarely the case in fact because we're all so different um yeah. 
that finding out what people want first. Mm -hmm. It may feel like it takes longer because you're not implementing a decision straight away. Yeah. But if you implement a decision straight away and no one believes in it, people don't like it, it doesn't get bought in, there's no impact, it's not meaningful, you've wasted money, you've wasted time. So yeah. you may as well, at the beginning, get the data that you need. There's so many things that we do off the back of data, I don't know why people isn't the same. Get the data that you need and then implement something with the input from the team that's going to make a difference. Yeah, of and, course. And that's far, far, like there's a much faster way to impact. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's one of those things as well. You can only, if, if, you, if you have an initiative, I suppose, that you want to sort of put out there or you want to, you want to make change, you, you don't get like four or five or six chances to really do that, right? You know, you, you can change it as you go and you can tweak it. But if you just put out, put out random things that you think are right, but I'm right for the company, obviously it completely misses the mark, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then people stop having faith and trust. Yeah. Uh, in what you're doing, um, it, people get you know like overwhelmed with the constant change um, as well. I mean, if the communication is look, I'm ask, uh, I know that we need to do something different here. Um, you know, what is that? What does that different look like? I'd really like everyone's input. I'd like everyone's perspective. Uh, can you let me know? Here's a survey. I'm going to have one to ones. Whatever the way in which you collect that feedback might be, yeah. and then say, okay, this is what I've heard. This is what I'm thinking. Does that make sense? Great, let's give it a try. You don't ever have to create something that's going to be a fait accompli or you know, the end. It's yeah. give it a try. And then, that, you know, okay, I want feedback once we've tried this. Let's see how it works. And then let's kind of evolve it. And that's a far easier message. And it's a way that it's going to be far more impactful. Yeah, of course. And yeah. It, change yeah no 100% and I think it, it gets away from the fact that you know I suppose everyone would expect the founder to probably know the answers to everything but it's not always going to be the case um, and I think just having that communication I suppose where you let people know the changes you want to make it's, it comes down to communicating in the right way I suppose and then if, if things don't go perfectly to plan it's like well look you knew that I wasn't 100% sure we wanted to test it out rather than just saying oh you know these people don't really know what they're doing <laughs> it's, it's really hard and I feel that as um you know I, I, I always when I call myself I'm my coach uh, CEO. <laughs> I always do it in inverted commas um <laughs> Like I find that myself, sometimes I feel like, oh gosh, I just should have the answer to this. I should have the, I should be able to make this decision, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and sometimes I think, do I ask the team for more input than what they want to have? Do they want to be directed a little bit more? Um, the answer to that is rarely yes. Most people want their opinion. Uh, they, they want to contribute their opinion, even if you don't make the decision to go with what they said. They want to know that they've been listened to. That's really important. Um, and it creates a psychologically safe environment as well. Um, but but it, is, it is hard to find that balance sometimes. And, and I am always trying to figure out what that balance is and is it right and is it wrong. And actually, if I err on the side of asking the team and working with the team to solve for problems, I'm very clear on the why. They can help me with the what and the how then actually it works far better every single time. Sure. And one of the things actually that we do, if you don't mind me saying, because I think it's something that, um, uh, you know, maybe some other people listening might benefit from, is we, we put on different hats. Um, so I, we will, if we're talking about creating something, uh, whoever the various users might be or stakeholders might be, 
someone will be kind of right look at this from a founder perspective you look at this from an employee perspective you look at this from an investor perspective you look at this from a that perspective mm -hmm. and we all kind of wear different hats and that really allows everybody to challenge and to make everything better rather than to have this kind of group think and and agreeing piece and it allows people to challenge from different perspectives mm. so if someone for example in your team you know is always on the side of uh like is always focusing on the financial aspect of something for example mm. then you give them a completely different hat and it really helps them also not only do you get something better but it helps them to empathize more with different perspectives and other thought processes yeah um, it's great <laughs> yeah no 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 it really is I, I did um i did a coaching session it's probably a couple of years ago now um and it was a similar thing a similar kind of thing it was like a pyramid i guess so there were three three different triangle whatever it was and it, it was really useful because again it's it's not jumping to conclusions or making assumptions it is right let me actually break this down and, and you see it through a completely different lens when you do that i guess as well um and I mean, look, I've, I've, I'm super tired of talking about coronavirus now. I think everyone's lost the plot with everything now. And hopefully, you know, we won't be locked in for too much longer. But I think one thing that we have seen and we're continuing to see is that, you know, there's a lot of companies that are still being affected by it, you know, with probably many more to come. Um, and I know that we were speaking about this previously, and I guess you know, in a great, great kind of positive way for, for you guys and Unleashed, you've been probably called on more so than ever. Um, how, how are you kind of seeing things and what, what are your clients, uh, I guess, kind of worried about or how are you helping them? What are they looking at as really kind of key to, to their success right now to come out of this? Yeah, that's, that's, um, it's different for so many of our clients. Um, all of our clients are thinking about what is our new normal going to be. And when all of this lockdown stuff starts to kind of, you know, hopefully Corona goes away in one way or another. Um, and when all this lockdown kind of changes and everyone can go back to work, bearing in mind, most of our businesses are tech clients. Um, in fact, all of our businesses are tech. So everyone can work uh, remotely. Um, what does the new normal look like? So people are talking about, okay, what are we going, what's going to happen after this? You know, I have founders who, who before, before lockdown were like, no, I hate working from home. I like everybody to be in the business. It's important for the culture who have literally swung polar opposites and are now saying, no, I'm never going to have an office again. It's like, okay, there must be somewhere in the middle where we can make this work um, a little bit more flexibly. And um, again, speak to your team, find out what they want. Like number one, yeah. um, the, we're also helping businesses. Obviously, we had to help uh, a couple of businesses look at their structure, um, do, uh, unfortunately, some furloughing, potentially some redundancies as well. Mm -hmm. um, in that, what we uh, made sure to do and are making sure to do still is that there is a great communication plan, not just with the people who have been impacted in that they have been furloughed or made mm -hmm. redundant, but also the people who are being impacted by being the ones that are left working as well. I think it's important to be really mindful of that side of things. And how do you communicate after the event um, with both um, teams, both sides, both, you know, both groups of people? Um, that's really important as well. And also how do you re-engage, you know, um, and make sure that people are feeling productive. So this is like over the uh, remote virtual working is, is great for us certain things. But actually, people are starting now to become 
a little bit what we're finding, a little bit less productive. So we're helping kind of leadership teams work out, okay, so what do you need to do right now to make sure that people feel connected and feel less isolated so that they can feel more productive? A lot of that is feedback. People aren't getting feedback. I mean, there are so many things. Um, I could go, go, we could do five podcast episodes uh, yeah, for sure. on that alone. But they're the kinds of things that we're, we're helping with businesses at the moment. And we're all working through it together because no one in this world has experienced this um, yeah. in this way. And I think it's really important that that's a strong part of the communications, that we're just trying to do the best. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, definitely. I think this is the first episode we had um, David Breer, who founded 11FS on. Um, so I think one of the things that, that he said, and it was a really good point. He, was, he said, you know, normally if you have a friend whose company is struggling or you, you see a business who, uh, you know, chips are kind of down a little bit, you know, it, it's hard for that company because it's like, you know, how come we're struggling but nobody else is? And he said, you know, the, the beauty of it is that we're all kind of screwed together, I guess. So everyone's trying to make the best of, of the situation, I suppose. And I think we've seen, you know, for, for people who deliver those messages in the right way, and you sent me the, the message from the Airbnb founder, which I thought was like really like sweet and quite upsetting at the same time that, you know, there was such a heartfelt message which went out, you know, to, to his staff. Um, and equally, there have been some awful ones, right, where there's been a complete lack of care. But I, I guess, are you seeing people respond well to that as well, for, for those messages, when there is that genuine trying to, to, to give people the best, the best environment that they can? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, people realise that this is really tough and they feel the impact on the businesses in which they're working and they recognise that they're potentially, depending on the business, um, less clients or customers or depends where you are in the kind of supply chain of your of your business but sure. people see that and people feel that and people are adults who are in the working world and actually the best thing that i think um founders can do in these circumstances is actually again to involve people in these decisions um yes they have to be made quickly because this kind of really happened overnight and um, there wasn't a lot of time you know revenues dropped for businesses you know they crashed 90 percent overnight for some of them which is absolutely massive so decisions need to be made quickly involving yeah. your team doesn't mean that they need to take significantly longer sure. um you will reap the benefits as one of those people who will be known for actually doing this again inverted commas in the right way yeah. um I think businesses who send out blanket messages and people find out over email or whatever it might be um, will really struggle afterwards because mm. it's very easy for this to kind of come out. And people take to social media because they feel a sense of unjust, un, uh, injustice, um, yeah. that they've not been treated fairly. So if you can demonstrate that you are treating fairly, you're taking people's considerations, there's less of that that's likely to happen. And in fact, we can see with Airbnb that that message has gone out. Um, you know, we've not, you know, and actually we've heard from people that have worked from Airbnb from LinkedIn to say, actually, it was a really good process. It's not just yeah, yeah. PR about my messaging. It's actually no, people saying that this is good. Um, no. Makes a huge difference. And that's a big business. And they involved mm. people across, you know, across the team. They explained it clearly. Um, sure. The others are leaning into what is easiest for them as a management team. Yeah. And when it comes to people, if you make it easiest for yourself as a manager, it is rarely the best for the people on the other side, so to speak. Um, so, so that's something you need to be really mindful of. 
Yeah, of course, of course. I've spoken to so many people that, you know, have had really good experiences and they're getting regular touch points. Um, you know, and I get that it may be difficult, you know, trickier the the, uh, the bigger the company is, but I've equally spoken to so many people who have just had no communication at all. Um, and it just kind of feels like you're left in the lurch massively. You know, you don't really know where you are. And equally for, you know, friends, for example, that I have who who are still working, but there's still some kind of ambiguity around, can I speak to them? Can I not? You know, what can you actually do? It's a bit of a strange one. And I think there, there have been a probably few relationships are going to be quite taut coming back from this, I think. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's really sad. It's so hard because I understand from a leadership perspective, you don't have a lot of information in terms of what is the right thing or the wrong thing to do. So you're kind of trying to do the best that you can or that you feel is right. But I think when, um, when it hasn't been done as well as it can be, which is often uh, uh, like not enough communication, yep. um, not enough transparency in how the decisions were made, um, that's where it tends to go wrong because, again, it kind of impacts people's sense of fairness. Um, the, um, the, sorry, I'm going to have to edit this bit. I can't remember. That's <laughs> all so, right, find your thought. Whilst you're finding that... I'm, I'm going to turn off my baby monitor, which is actually beeping in the background. <laughs> throwing me off slightly. Give me two secs, but... <laughs> Come on. Uh, cool. I hope your baby's okay. Yeah, it, absolutely fine, by the way. It just means that, yeah, it's... Uh, the, the baby's awake, basically. <laughs> so... Um, what was... Can you remind me of... <laughs> <laughs> what you were saying and why I kind of went yeah, on. I th I, yeah, I think it's just around relationships potentially being taught and uh, got, it. got it back on track. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, so um, fairness, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the things that uh, businesses will feel the impact of if they haven't been transparent and if they haven't communicated and if they haven't kind of approached this in a fair way is that when they expect, if they expect, some of their team that have been furloughed to come back to work, there will be decreased engagement um, from those people in all likelihood. Um, they might, you know, the jobs market will be challenging because there'll be a lot more people unemployed. So they might stick around, but them giving you everything that they have in a work context, that's going to take that trust, that relationship is going to take a long time to build back up if you haven't um, being open with them and communicated well um, yeah, yeah. in the early stages of this. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're obviously talking about, you know, people's careers, lives, um, you know, ability to pay for their living costs, you know what I mean? It, it, it's a pretty deep, uh, you know, deep, deep um, kind of cause and, and problem here. But, but yeah, I think just kind of what you mentioned there, just around building everything back up, um, you know, it can be, it takes a long time to gain trust, but you can lose it very quickly, I guess, as, as a manager, as a leader, a, a business owner, whatever, or a friend, anything, you know, in any context. Um, how, do, how do you think companies will change through this period? Because I think coming out now, from, from our perspective, so, so, you know, it's a tough, a pretty delicate message because for every two or three companies that are still doing well and continuing to grow and, you know, have even seen a big increase in profits through, through this period, there are 10 or 15 who are still struggling, I guess. Um, but I think one thing that we've really seen is that people are stripping things back a little bit more and it's really, right, what is important to us? What will keep us going as a company but what will continue to, to help us grow do you think people and your clients has their mindset changed a little bit with how this is impacted? um 
Yes, I think I'm seeing significantly more businesses um, focusing on on focusing in on what is really meaningful and impactful for them. There's a lot of obviously advice that is, you know, choose one thing and kind of do it well, but businesses nonetheless kind of spread, spread their wings and want to do more and all of the rest. And what I'm seeing now is people really prioritizing and really focusing on the important impactful stuff for their business. I think that won't change, certainly not slowly. I think um, teams will, and I, like I hesitate saying this because, you know, this is just my own thinking, my own thoughts, my own opinion, and I don't want it to, to breed thoughts and opinion and kind of, you know, these assumptions I'm making to be then taken as fact. But I yeah, think yeah. businesses will stay leaner. Mm -hmm. um, they won't, they might, certainly if you're in sales and revenue is increased, then sales team return. The, the, the bulk of furlough and redundancies have been amongst sales teams and customer success teams because revenue's kind of been impacted. Um, so certainly if that goes back up, those teams will grow. But I think businesses will operate significantly more leanly um, going forward, both from a structural perspective, they've worked out that they can do more with less, and also from a focus perspective, and from a cost perspective. So less, you know, less capacity in an office, for example, because more people are going to be working from home more, you know, there's going to be different things like that. Um, be it, that'll be interesting if you know they're talking about potentially not allowing hot desking so you might have capacity for 100 people uh, and have to keep capacity for 100 people even if only 50 people come in. anyway so yeah, that's of course um, that's a little bit odd but we'll see we'll see, you know we'll ha we have to wait and see with a lot of that stuff yes. Um, but yes I think there'll be def definitely differences in terms of how people are operating will be significantly more lean and significantly more focused yeah sure and I think I mean look, there's loads we can go into on that but there's there's quite a lot of content I guess around coronavirus and, and impact so I mean I'm really really keen to see from from the people and from the attraction perspective as well because I think from our side whenever we partner with with clients who have a really strong message and you know you know this second like I mentioned with with Unleashed website I felt like I knew your company straight away and there's that smile again so it's obviously having the good effects um, I think there are so many companies where they don't have that and it can be a little bit quite vague I suppose and you actually have to do some work to really figure that out I think from um, from an attraction perspective you know it, it's it's a it's harder to grow and to, to scale with the right people. Even something as basic as, as the website, right? You know, you kind of want to feel like you want to have interest. You want to have a bit of a hook and people think, oh, this actually looks like a pretty cool company, et cetera, et cetera. And from our perspective, when we partner with clients, it just makes it so much easier to help get that message. And equally, we have some amazing clients where candidates are probably a little bit surprised when they speak to them because it's like, oh, right, you guys are actually really good. It just didn't seem that way, I suppose. Um, is that kind of one of the earliest things that you look to help them on around that branding, getting that message out? What, what's important to, to them, I guess? Yeah, if a business wants to attract the best people, they need to demonstrate why for those people, they are the best business to work with. Mm -hmm. So um, there are a number of things. Firstly, it's being, really, it's being able to really articulate your vision and your mission. Um, and your values as well, but your vision and your mission, that's the hook. That's, oh my God, I really believe in what they, how they see the world, what they want to achieve. This is really interesting. Um, and you, you, that, that purpose, that sense of purpose is so important. And, you know, you can do a couple of hours session on that, 
iron that out, do a little bit more work, you know, nail it, and then you include it in your job specs. And, and the difference that that makes, actually, that was the, the very first project that I took on when I started Unleashed was um, vision, mission, and nailing that because this particular client was struggling to attract good candidates. And we rewrote the job specs and they started attracting great candidates. So it doesn't have to be massive things. You just need to articulate it in a way that's honest and engaging. Yeah. Uh, not false. Don't 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 make stuff up, but just articulate it well. Uh, the other side of things is actually from what do people care about when they join a business? And that's these days it's really and we you know it's it's kind of thrown around all the time. People don't actually care for the free fruit. They don't actually care for the pool table, and we know that people mm -hmm. care for a. Um, a sense of impact, they want autonomy, you know, and I'm about to quote Daniel Pink, you know, they want a sense of purpose, they want to have autonomy, and they want to be able to master um, what they do. And that's all around kind of the development side of things. If you're providing that for people, if people feel that they can grow with your, within your business and learn, and they've got a, an ability to share their expertise, that's what they're after. Sure. Um, and communicating that is really important um, as well. And then that's how you can use your website, ideally. But what makes you stand out as a business is what you're trying to get across. And yeah. when you're interviewing people, it's a two-way street. You know, keep talking about what you do, how you do it, how things work internally, what your communication is, sell to them why you're the right business for them. And you have to get to know them as well. In that yeah, way. yeah, yeah, sure. And I think it's something that... Um, yeah, it's probably not said enough. And some people aren't good at that. I think, you know, the, the interview process as a whole, it has changed a lot. And I think it's definitely changed a lot more now with people interviewing from like their bedroom, which people probably would have never done before. Um, but yeah, I think we, we always say this, we, we always advise clients that, you know, it, it is such a two-way street. You know, there's a big element of 50-50. You have to attract them, they have to impress you, vice versa, et cetera. Um, and I think talking about your mission and your journey, that's what really gets the buy-in. As you mentioned around the pool tables, I mean, you know, go back 10 years ago, like the only companies were like Silicon Valley companies who had pool tables and stuff. And it was this crazy kind of thing that like anyone can do that. You can get one for like 90 pounds on Argos if you want. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, Definitely I think there are, special. yeah, exactly. And I think that there are more things now, especially with, I guess, the, the younger people coming into the market as well. You know, what people who are sort of 2021, 20, what they want now is different to what I probably wanted when I was 2021 20, and then generation before that. So, yeah, th I mean, I guess I'm kind of waffling a little bit, but is it around adaptability and making sure that you sort of just hit the right message for the people that you want to attract as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever advised kind of businesses or leaders to ask job seekers so people that they're interviewing what they're looking for from the job or from the role yeah i, th I think it's something that if probably not every single time in that respect but you know it's you have to know if you can offer them that as well yeah. um not putting like a square peg into a round hole i guess no and i think i actually think it's a really important question because mm -hmm. If you're asking them, A, you're finding out data in terms of what they need, what they want, and, and you can work out if you're the right business to kind of meet those needs, and you might not be able to, or you might think, oh, actually, that's interesting. Um, we can absolutely do that, and I'd love for more people to want that. I wonder if more people do want that. Right. So, it, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a really good question to get out there, um, generally, when it comes to, to interviews anyway. Yeah, so, sure. Do you, do you 
I'm sorry, I'm turning the table now. No, I love it. Yeah, hit me. (laughs) Do you think um, that with the market changing in terms of going to be more people who who are unemployed than there were, do you think leaders still seeing it as a two-way street, which more of them do now, um, maybe not all of them, but more of them do, do you think that will change? I think I mean one of the one of the key things. So from from a very basic perspective, I guess what we're seeing right now is that there are far more candidates, I guess, in the market. Um, so I think if you go back now, salaries have always steadily crept up for sure, and they sort of have to with price of living, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Quite a few clients we've seen a lot of candidates have actually been really kind of lowering expectations on salaries because they're kind of worried about maybe not actually having something there. Um, so they're trying to be really, really competitive in the market. I think clients are actually in a position where they, they can actually afford to be a lot more picky than they probably would have been before. And you should always be, you know, picky, you know, not stupidly to the point where you just won't hire anyone um but i think one thing that we are saying i I definitely think people still think it's going to be a two-way street for sure um but i think we are probably seeing arrogance definitely isn't the right word at all but just maybe a little bit too much choice in some occasions Mm. and i think it's it's kind of working for and against a lot of people um if you work in a really specific uh, kind of industry you know even in a obviously in a in a very good buoyant market anyway having good domain and industry experience is very valuable um but we're seeing a lot of people now who would still be great for positions purely because they might have a couple of other people who've been impacted from another sector available it's 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 creating a really kind of strange market from what we're seeing um i mean we're seeing a lot more clients get more vocal now and i think a lot of companies are realizing that they are going to be okay and they can still hire and they can still get back to normal even if it's just through you know pretty critical roles i guess um but i think that we're probably seeing a bigger shift from what i think the candidates really want um and it really depends i mean We've spoken a few times now, but I've I've got two children. I love my children, but I could definitely do with being in an office for a few days a week. Um, I think it's uh, you know I've literally been around. I've, I was on, I've been on gardening leave since mid December, so this is almost like the sixth month of lockdown for me. Um, but you know, I think some people have actually realised that. Do you know what? They've actually got a really good environment to work remotely. And and we're now seeing a lot more clients. You know, we're working with clients in Toronto, San Francisco, uh, you know, some, some really exciting cities that they're actually now tapping into markets they never could have reached before because, yeah. you know, can, no, 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 go, please. I was going to say we're finding that as well, actually. Um, you know, on our website, it says kind of London and Amsterdam, but we're starting now to work with people significantly further afield and we've been approached by a couple of companies from um, New York as well Um, so there's it does open up opportunities um, where you could have done it before but you just didn't think about doing it before Uh, and actually if you'd proposed it uh, because it wasn't everybody's norm it may have been a little bit harder to to sell so to speak Um, yeah so we're seeing that opportunity open up for us uh, significantly Mm. more which is which is fantastic Um, and the team as well generally enjoy working from home we've always been able to work wherever we lay our laptops so that's not a problem personally i agree with you (laughs) i can't wait to get the kids back to school when it's safe but back to school so that i can have some peace and quiet and don't have to be mum and teacher and ceo and all the rest because it's like it's drowning (laughs) yeah no no it really is and um 
yeah, my business partner and I, so luckily he has two children like the exact same age. It's quite strange actually how it's worked. Um, but yeah, he completely gets my side and I completely get his. Um, you know, so we're very respectful, I think, of, of each other's situation. And I think most people are, to be fair. You know, it, it's only been the very odd occasion where somebody may be a bit frustrated that my daughter's running like Moana for the eighth time on a call or something crazy. But, um, but yeah, an interesting point, Sean Hunter, CIO of Oak North mentioned in the last message is that, you know, a lot of his work is speaking with founders, you know, who they're looking to fund. And he's actually way more effective now than he ever has been because he has more capacity to have those conversations with people, you know, literally back to back, no travel time, you know, nothing that's going to interfere. I still think, and I think most people do still like the human element. Um, you know, you, you can't build as good a relationship, in my opinion, over a laptop. Um, but in terms of actually the core business, I think people will maybe just save those occasions for when they're actually really, really required, I suppose, rather than every single time. Um, you know, I remember when I first started in the recruitment industry, big agency, when I was like 20, uh, 20 years old, we used to have to meet five people face to face minimum every single week. And that's great. But the amount of wasted meetings you'd actually go on where there's no value really on either side, but you're just trying to hit these kind of numbers. I think it's stripped a lot of that stuff back for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, have you, have you found that there's been, you know, a lot more uh, kind of capacity for, for your clients to, to operate in now? Or has it still been a bit of a, it, it varies, I suppose. Yeah, no, I think most, most clients are finding that generally they're more productive. I think it's starting to creep in a little bit from kind of broader teams, for like our clients' teams, um, are starting to feel a little bit more isolated and a little bit more disconnected. So we're now talking significantly more about more feedback, more communication, not just kind of let's do a quiz, but actually how are you starting the day with your team? You know, what, what's the one thing that today we're each going to achieve so that we have this sense of like goal accomplishment um, by the end of the day and focusing on one thing makes it significantly easy to achieve even more, but you sure. only have to do one. So it, just, it, it, it can be inspirational. So there's a lot of things that we're talking about um, with clients in that regard for their teams. I think most leaders in businesses are feeling super productive. Like they don't have the commute, they kind of get up in the morning, hopefully they shower, if they shower, then they, <laughs> they, they crack on with work and then they work till they eat and then they might crack on with work or stop. And I think you can do that for a certain amount of time. And I think founders generally are at risk of doing that too, too much in any case, in normal times, but they've got even more time because they don't have the commute and they have less interruptions from the team, um, which is good in one sense, but it can also, and if it carries on for too long, it can potentially lead um, to burnout. And that's really not good. Um, I miss my commute desperately. It used to be like an hour on the train to London, an hour on the train back. So it was really quick as far as the commute goes, where I used to get a seat and I could work, I could listen to a podcast, I could read. I rarely read and rarely listened to podcasts. I predominantly worked. But it gave me the, the opportunity to kind of bucket work and then bucket seeing my kids um, and give me time to change context in my head mentally. But now it's literally opening a door Oh, I've got to stop work now because I've got to cook dinner. The kids are on me, cook dinner, get back to work. And it's the door that's my context change. And it's, yeah. it's hard. 
Yeah. Hard for lots of people. And I think if it carries on like that, if we don't all start establishing better routines that give us that commute time, if you like, mm. there is a chance of burnout before too long. Yeah, sure, man. I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned really you mentioned Daniel Daniel Pink. I'm I've been halfway through Drive for about three months now, and I think it's um, yeah, just just trying to trying to find the time. And I think it's you know this is where and again this is a whole other topic. So we'll definitely have to do a trilogy of these. I've, I've really enjoyed this one, but um, you know you get into the realms of you know kind of you know men- mental awareness as well around what you're doing as a person because. You know, you mentioned with kids and the people who don't have kids have just as big of problems and, you know, it's a lonely yeah. place. Um, but yeah, you know, I wake up anywhere between sort of half five to, to sort of six, depending on where my daughter decides to wake up for that day. And then straight away, it's like playing, feed, trying to send an email that you really have to send. You know, days are quite broken, aren't they? So I think and there's no real advice, I guess, anyone can give on how to manage that. You just have to roll with the punches, I guess, don't you? Yeah, roll with the punches. Teams, you know, tend to be understanding hopefully most leaders are understanding their teams are in positions like that you just have to do the best you can and not expect uh, not expect you to be the best at all of it all of the time because it's just it's just not possible um, sure. there was one and and I feel by the way to your point um, I don't have it worse there are like so many people out there with it much worse than you or I. Sure. Um, there was one time in my life where I felt that I'd worked really hard, um, which is a really silly thing to say because I generally work hard all the time. But I was a single mum, I was working full time, I was studying for my master's, um, and I was getting an increasing debt bec- and using payday loans at the end of each month to then get myself out of it and then kind of pay it off and then get another payday loan. Sure. I, my debt was increasing because I was getting promoted at work and I was getting pay rises, uh, which meant that the government, which was at the time helping me because I was a single mum, would decrease the amount by which they would help me. But it was always net, I was always net worse off until I got to a certain point, which makes it really hard. So that time in my life, I felt like I work hard. Now, I feel like the work that I'm doing might be hard, but it's a pleasure and it has a purpose and it feels impactful and meaningful so I realized like I'm in a very privileged position to be here yeah no sure and I think you know there's probably a lot of people in pretty weird places here and by the way I'm super super not kind of skilled enough to give these kind of messages but you know I think there's a lot of people that you know hopefully this is going to kind of put them on the right path and you know everything kind of happens for a reason I guess so you know for people out there experiencing troubles you know, obviously, please continue to reach out and speak out um but look I think we we probably got to about time I guess because we 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 have loads more that I'd personally love to go into so I may have to chew your ear off offline <laughs> but um but yeah I think look for, for anyone kind of out there from your side you know you're obviously more than happy for people to reach out to you get in touch for advice and to see if you could maybe help them as well yeah well, well of course um I, I mean I love talking about this stuff so I could just talk about it for as long as anybody wanted to hear um do feel free to reach out, have a look at our website uh, un, uh, or reach out at say hello at unleash.company or directly to me, Anouk at unleash.company. Um, we'd love to hear from anyone. 
yeah perfect no no good stuff i think so so many people have been really supportive and really um yeah just really like really generous with your time so yeah i will definitely encourage people um all of the people that we we speak with to, to reach out to you guys for sure so um so yeah thanks for for listening i hope you've found some some good value there um i think we have we haven't even really kind of you know gone uh you scratch the surface too much on a lot of this stuff people is such a an important thing something we're really passionate about as well but um yeah if you want to reach out to Nook, please reach out to her equally if, if there's any questions that we can answer we would love to help um and thanks for joining us i really really enjoyed that one so um yeah i'm sure we've got more content for, for stuff further down the road as well but thank thanks for thanks for coming on really enjoyed it thanks so much for having me i absolutely loved it yeah great stuff um yeah thanks everyone yeah continue to listen continue to subscribe and um yeah reach out to, to anuka unleashed if uh, if you need any help cheers anuka